Hey guys, and welcome to episode 7 of Momish Unfiltered. I'm Anne. And I'm Jane. And today we're going to be talking about financial priorities for millennials. Because everybody loves talking about their finances. I mean, if you don't want to, you know, be broke and stay woke, you should, right? <laughs> be broke and stay woke. There you go. Don't you like that? I do. Yeah. I do. But before we jump into that, how was your week? Well, uh, both the kids have had ear infections this week, so I've been struggling with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son came home first with a little something, cough, and then my daughter started coughing, and I was like, what's going on? Took her to the doctor, ear infection. Then a few days later, my son's screaming about his ears, ear infection. So I've got two sick kids with ear infections. The amoxicillin is flowing, and I'm just trying to make it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully good. in the next five to seven days, they'll both be good to go. But, uh, yeah, it's been a rough week. Well, fingers crossed. Um, well, for me this week, um, I realized I'm hard on myself. Like, mm. I feel like it didn't take as long to do things like laundry and cooking and cleaning before I had my mm-hmm. second child. And so... For me, it's like I've been really hard on myself. Like, oh, it took like an hour to do the dishes. But I have to keep in mind, you know, I have kitty cups. I have now I'm making food for Ava because she started on solids. Right, right. So I have so much stuff to clean. Um, I'm not really putting that into the right perspective. So I'm, you know, hard on myself. And so I'm trying to get away from that if I can going forward. Good luck, girl. Yeah, I'm going to (laughs) try. But, you know, sometimes it gets disappointing. It does. Yeah. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into the comments uh, from our default parenting episode. Yes. uh, From our default parenting episode, her name is taken noted that she does not get a break as a stay-at-home mom, but she feels like it's partially her fault for not taking advantage of the time when her husband offers. And I could see how in that scenario that we do do that sometimes, but I know being a stay-at-home mom is no joke. Um, I know there's always that, you know, working mom versus stay-at-home mom battle. And the struggle is real no matter what side you're on. So uh, thanks for chiming in with that. Well, can we just unofficially say that her name is taken as kind of like an honorary member of... The Momish Unfiltered Podcast. She so is. She's the best. Always uh, giving us feedback and letting us know a perspective. So we appreciate you, lady. Yeah, girl. We appreciate you. Um, so the comment from I am Rick Diesel says, uh, these default parenting woes you're both experiencing, for the most part, will take care of themselves as time goes on and your babies grow towards toddler school age children. Stay encouraged. So I'm not going to lie. I am Rick Diesel. <laughs> I took that as... Bitch, stop complaining. (laughs) But you make a very valid point that as our kids get really uh, older and more independent, it it does get easier because I have noticed that now that Jackson is three, he is not necessarily as challenging, um, you know, labor wise. But, you know, that behavior of his is starting to get out of control. But good point. I am Rick Diesel. Yes. Keep sounding off. Thanks for sounding off, guys. Yes. Well, let's jump into today's topic. Let's do it. So, um, so this financial priorities for millennials, uh, it comes from a blog post I did a few years ago. Please check that out on Anne Jane Living. You can just search it, financial priorities part one. It'll pop up. Mm-hmm. Our search is strong on that <laughs> website. It is. Yeah. So um, I wanted to write about it because I feel like so many people our age are struggling with things such as student loans and just not being able to afford the basic necessities of life. So I wanted to take kind of my experience and share it, especially with women, because I feel like for us, you know, we're more um, 
I don't want to say that, but vulnerable. Like, say, for instance, mm-hmm. like, we have the kids. We sacrifice our lives. We might put our careers on hold. Right. We're married. We're happy. And then what if it doesn't work out, right? True. So then our husbands leaves us. We're nine times out of ten. We always have the kids. And then right. what do we do? So let's, like, put ourselves in a better financial position, ladies. I agree. So that's what this is about. So, I mean, if you had to say, um, you know, what's some of your most important financial priorities from your perspective? Well, from my perspective, you know, as I had read through your post, I saw that you had noted that staying with mom and dad was not a very good option. Um, That, you know, you should try to find a place um, that you can afford by yourself. But I, on the other hand, say, have no shame, ladies. If you need to stay with your parents a little longer to save some money, to pay down some debt, I think you should do it. Mm. Um, I say that because the the worst thing you can do in your financial situation, especially especially if you're struggling, um, is to continue to put yourself in further debt, just trying to make it, you know, and living paycheck to paycheck. So if you have the option, which a lot of people do not, to be able to stay with your parents a little longer, pay down some credit card debt, some student loans, um, and save some money to maybe make a future home purchase or whatever, definitely do it. Don't have shame. Um, I know lots of people who are currently in that situation just because, unfortunately, jobs didn't work out or things haven't gone as they planned career-wise. So do not fret. Things will be on the come up at some point or another. But in the meantime, use your resources. Never be afraid to take a step back and say, hey, let me look at the bigger picture. This is not a permanent situation, but it's where I'm at right now. Mm, Okay. Well, I like that. Um, You know... The only thing I would say about, um, you know, the reason why I wrote don't stay at home with your parents is because it's really about trying to establish your financial independence. So it's okay to stay there, but that's really, you know, for lack of a better term, a uh, cushion. And so the idea is really just to learn how to stand on your own two feet, giving your true and real financial situation. And I think that, you know, the only way you can do that is by really standing on your own. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I meant by it. No shame, no shame. Okay, okay. But, um, you know, just, you know, standing your truth and it it may not be pretty, but, you know, do what you can. (laughs) Um, I guess my number one financial tip I would suggest, and it's really controversial because, you know, they always say pay off the student loans because it's like a shackle to your ankle or whatever. I don't really have any, so I wouldn't know. But same. But I think it's important to defer your student loans. So they have a lot of different things that you can do. So you can do the income uh, based repayment. Um, you can uh, also, How does that work? well, you can actually call your uh, student loan servicer and they'll take some information from you. And based on your uh, annual income, you might be able to get a monthly payment that is relative to your income. Okay. Now, if you make practically no money, paying any money would be, you know, uncomfortable, right? Right. So what I would suggest at that point is to defer your student loan. So you do actually still incur interest. It's not like it's a stop on time or whatever. But take into account that if you defer those student loans for, let's say, 12 months, you can take that 12 months to get a better paying job, Mm -hmm. pay off other high interest debt like your car loan. Okay. Um credit cards. And then by that time, you can use that money that you freed up towards a, you know, suitable student loan payment. So whereas it's not necessarily um, well um, advised from a lot of uh, financial experts, which I am not, but um, it seems like a more feasible option if you're having cash flow problems. Okay. What about you? 
Um, well, another good option um, for you might also be to make your credit cards work for you. Mm. Um, if you are a credit card holder, it's very easy to incur debt on these. And you want to make sure that you're paying your credit cards off every month. That being said, when I say make them work for you, look at some of the programs that credit cards provide. Um, Chase, for example, has a lot of good different programs. Um, sometimes they do five times points on groceries. Um, there are cashback sites, gas, um, travel. So for instance, if you're going somewhere and um, you want to travel and you're like, oh, you know, if you get gas here, it's five times points. Let's say you fill up both cards, you spend a hundred bucks or something like that, five times points, you got 500 points in the bank to use towards groceries or travel or whatever have you towards the future. Um, so I think that's something that our generation is starting to get a better hold of, but some people just aren't aware of because credit cards can be really tricky and they can be scary. Right. So I would encourage you to call your credit card company Find out what programs um, they have that are available to you and find out how they work um, so that you might optimize your use of your credit card. Ooh, preach. Yeah, we, we definitely have found them to be of value to us in traveling, gas, groceries, and things like that because the more points we build up, we really have used them to purchase hotel rooms when we travel um, and even plane tickets. Nice. We actually used points um, three years ago when we took our big a 30-year trip, and we footed the whole bill, a first-class trip with um, all the points we had uh, built up. Gotcha. Paid no money in cash, just uh, credit card points. So they definitely have their value and use when used properly. Nice. Um, well, another uh, tip for me would be to focus on the basic necessities. So this kind of like is a piggyback off of deferring your student loans. So if you can't really afford like a roof over your head, it's going to be hard to pay for things such as credit cards and car loans and so forth. So just focus on the basics. So uh, think about, you know, what is affordable for uh, me to rent? Like, where can I afford to live? Mm -hmm. You know, how much is my food budget going to be? Um, you know, how much can I afford for healthcare? So if you work for a, what they call an employer sponsored um, you know, big, large company, then you'll have employer-sponsored health care. But if you don't, you're a freelancer, which a lot of millennials are. They're, you know, they got their own side hustle. And then you actually have to pay for health insurance. So just focus on the basic necessities. Defer those student loans so you can focus on that, see what your full financial picture looks like. Right. And then you can afford to jump into other things such as, you know, tackling that other debt and freeing up your um, cash flow. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, and then, um, so what about you? What's your last one? Do you have another one? Yes, I think my last one would be to uh, tell you to look at your finances as a whole and really figure out a budget. Mm. Um, I know the word budget just sounds depressing when you hear it out loud because that's how I feel about it. Right. But budgets are necessary. Um, what I recommend you doing is looking at your finances as a whole. So saying, hey, how much am I paying in rent or my mortgage? Um, what are my student loans costing? What are my utilities running me? What am I spending on food, on travel, on self-care? Look at all those various areas, child care as well, your auto bill, and find out if there's a way to decrease those bills. Um, do you really need cable, for instance? I know that everyone's being hit hard with expensive internet and cable bills, but do you really need it? In our household, we've switched over to pretty much a, um, a Netflix Hulu system, so that has decreased our bill significantly and we get internet, mm -hmm. um, which 
obviously that cuts down on your bill by at least a hundred dollars. Do you really need all those packages and channels that you don't watch? They give you 700 channels that you don't watch. So, um, that's something that I would really recommend. Look at your finances as a whole and start really setting a budget and stick to that budget. Um, perhaps you have envelopes of money where you say, okay, I put $20 in a week for my self-care or for that auto bill or whatever, but sticking to a budget, um, and really creating a budget will help you tremendously, um, when it comes to your finances and, um, looking at your financial priorities as a whole. Okay. Well, let's say we, Went ahead. We looked at our situation. Right. We stayed with mom and dad or maybe not. Right. We're trying to focus on paying off our debt. Uh Uh-huh. That takes us to financial priorities part two. It does. Doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. So let's say we did all of our due diligence and now we're ready to pay off those student loans, buy a house, have a baby. What does that look like from your perspective? I definitely agree with paying off your student loans. Um, It took us a few years to pay them off, but they are paid off. And so that's definitely one bit of debt that I'm glad that we don't have. It allows us to put money that we would otherwise be putting towards student loans, towards travel or extracurricular activities that we enjoy, self-care, things like that. So um, paying off your student loans um, as soon as possible is ideal. Now, when I say as soon as possible, I'm not saying in a year or two, unless you have it like that. Kudos to you. Um, But it definitely took us 10 years to pay off our student loans, maybe a little bit less, but it wasn't an overnight process. It just was being consistent, staying on top of that bill and paying it down. And, you know, once we kept doing that, it was paid off. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. For me, I would say focus on a single goal. So, um, yeah, this is definitely the time in life where you want to start to try to pay off those student loans, um, you know, as best you can. But I've known some people where their payments were, you know, anywhere from, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars. So, you know, this stage of life, when you're in that part two of, you know, trying to grow up and, and so forth, you're buying homes, you're having babies. Right. So you definitely want to focus on a single goal. And, you know, obviously it's the smartest to get rid of, again, the debt that you're carrying that one can't get taken care of in bankruptcy. Right. And two... Um, you know, something that won't impact your ability to start a family or afford a home. I agree. So you definitely want to start there and uh, and pay off those student loans, but be very singular in it. So don't try to pay off your student loans and go on vacations right. or, you know, pay off your student loans and, you know, build up your work wardrobe. You have to be really single-minded in, right. um, in achieving that goal because then it'll lead to greater financial uh, independence. It does. And just to add on to that, to piggyback, um, if you are going to try and pay down your student loans, definitely try to do it pre-kid. That is the most optimal time, excuse me, optimal time to pay down that debt because you're not worrying about childcare and bottles and diapers and wipes. So if you are able to pay off your student loans pre-kid, that is the time to do it. Um, One of the things that also helped uh, us do that uh, quickly is we paid more than the regular bill. So let's say our bill was four or five hundred a month. We put down six or seven hundred just to try to decrease that bill faster. But this was also pre-kid. Yeah, you have a daycare bill, but 
you also have to come up with twenty to thirty thousand dollars before. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to because there's lots of other options that can get you into a home for cheaper. Right. But then you have you have a higher mortgage, you have a higher interest rate. Right. You might have mortgage insurance mm-hmm. um, as a result of a lower down payment. Right. And so. What you want to do is put yourself in the best um, financial situation as possible when you're going into a home because the the price and the amount of things that you have to pay for in regards to a home only goes up. You know, taxes go up. People don't consider that. They right. say, oh, the taxes are low. That's so true. I can move here and it's only like 4000 a year and then your taxes go up for all sorts of reasons and now you're paying 4500 That affects your mortgage. Right. But people don't think about that sort of thing. Right. So I would say... Have a baby first because, again, even though you know it's expensive, those costs are fixed. Okay. So, you know, yeah, you go to daycare, it's $1,200 a month, 2000 a month, whatever it is, which is a crying shame. But It is. <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah. But, you know, you know how much food it's going to cost. Or if you're going to breastfeed, you know you don't have to pay for formula that whole year. Those There are ways you can save and still, you know, put a little bit aside for a home versus trying to afford something so huge that might take up all your financial resources and delay your start of having a family. So that, that is a good one advice. Um, I do think that that is, that is sound advice, but um, I will go back and I will talk about, you know, purchasing a home because a lot of us are purchasing that first home before we have um, children. So in the event that you are going to do that, I am going to encourage you to purchase a home that you can afford on one income. You know, you and your spouse may come together, you know, the numbers are run and they say, hey, you can afford a million dollar home. But why spend a mil when you don't have to? Try to look at what you can afford and say, you know what, let's spend half of that. That's actually what my husband and I did. When we um, started out and we bought our second home, we originally had purchased a condo. Um, I think it was about 200000 or something like that. And so we said, okay, we're going to start looking for a home. We looked at single family homes. We looked at town homes. And we said, okay, we want to be able to afford this next home on one income should anything you know, arise. The article that I recently wrote um, about how I manage my family of four on one income, you'll see that there are some tips in there on what my husband and I did to make sure that should we ever be in a situation where we were on one income, we would still be able to afford our mortgage. So that's something I'm going to strongly encourage you to do is do not go after that million dollar home because you see that everybody else is buying one. Because while they're sitting in a million dollar home, they're probably not going anywhere. They probably can't afford furniture and they probably aren't eating out a lot. Because they thought it was a better idea to get something with glitz and glam instead of being realistic and saying, you know what, let's do something that's more comfortable and allows us to still enjoy our lifestyle that we had previously and to be able to, you know, maneuver financially and be okay. So while I do agree um, that Anne made some really good points about having the baby and whatnot and starting your family before purchasing a home, in the event that you are going to purchase a home before you have a child, I would just definitely recommend um, doing something that is more affordable and not getting caught up in the gits and glam. Right, right. And babies are really expensive, too. So, again, I wanted to go back and just say, you know, it's not like, oh, babies aren't really expensive. Like, 
for me, I got caught up in the trap of, oh, I'm not going to spend so much on my baby. And then I turned around and spent thousands of dollars on nursery furniture. Girl. And it's you know, so all easy sorts to do. Of stuff. It is because it's really, really cute. And Especially like, with the first kid. And you're like, my baby deserves this. Like, this is my right. child. Right. And, you know, the second time around with Ava, I said, okay, I learned my lesson. I'm not going to do it. And I spent thousands of dollars on her room, but it looks right. fantastic, which, by the way, I have to post those <laughs> pictures. You do. You do. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm guilty too. I know. But so, yeah, I'm not saying that babies are like, you know, super cheap or anything like that. But you definitely want to go into your uh, home purchase being house smart and not house poor. Exactly. And that's very important. So, you know, Jane made a great um, point of saying, okay, just because the bank gives you, you know, quote unquote, gives you a million dollar mortgage doesn't mean you necessarily need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't agree more because the bank is not your friend. A lot of people are like, oh, they think I'm rich because they gave me, you know, exactly. a million and a half. They're not your friend. What they want you to do is pay more in interest. Exactly. Okay? They want you to spend a mill. Exactly. Because that way you'll owe them everything and they will take the shirt off your back if yes. you can't pay them. They will. So you have to put yourself in a position to say, okay, well, this is what I can comfortably afford if life throws me a curveball, which life throws us all curveballs. It does. That I can survive and keep myself going under these conditions. So that's what you need to always walk into any financial decision thinking to yourself. Um, but what about you? Do you have any other tidbits of wisdom? Um, I think the only other tidbit I would offer is that you are, uh, excuse me, if you are going to start a family that saving before is obviously ideal. Um, I will say that my husband and I didn't specifically save for a baby beforehand, but we were already saving. One thing we did take into account, however, is that we did our research. We made sure to find out how much daycare, excuse me, daycares are, um, in the area so that we weren't thrown off when our baby got here and then we were like, oh my God, where am I supposed to get this $2,000 from for daycare? Um, Trying to do your due diligence beforehand and research what daycare costs, how much diapers are running for these days, wipes, formula, if you're going to have to um, do that instead of breastfeed because unfortunately, um, you know, your milk didn't come in and don't get it twisted breastfeeding is not free. It is cheaper, but you're still spending some money because you have to pay for pump supplies, stuff to store your milk in. Um, Lots of factors that go into pumping cost money. Having a pump itself, you can spend anywhere from, you know, one to $300 on a pump if it's not included in your insurance. So just think about some of those things before the baby. So um, while Anne said that, you know, she saved before and allowed to prepare specifically, I would just say definitely save in general, but try to know as many costs as you can beforehand. Find out what car seat you're interested in or what stroller you think that you might want so that you're not, you know, shocked when you see the price tag later yeah. because things add up quickly i was still shocked so i prepared and i'm still <laughs> shocked of two thousand a month for a baby that doesn't move yeah girl like, that's outrageous oh they move they doing something they don't move they Pooping just and all sleep that. and poop that's it yeah so yeah i was shocked but um okay so all right we paid off our student loans we yep. bought our house we had our babies now okay. for that 
that golden time of life, which I mean, the golden years. I really call it really the boring years. I mean, what? okay, I don't want to like negatively <laughs> say it, but I mean, planning for retirement means you're old, and so I'm like, ugh. I it's just, not. That I never you're even old. imagined you're being that, smart with your money. Um. So I'm like, hmm. That's it's kind of boring. But um, but it's important because you have to plan for every bit of your future because I find that people who don't plan appropriately are like, oh, yeah, I'm probably going to be dead by 65, 70, whatever. Right. But people are living longer these days. And so you don't want to be one of those people where you only plan to live to 70 and then you're like 105 still kicking it and broke. That eating, is so true. Eating pet food. Especially so do for um, us because millennials are looking like they're going to have to save their own ass. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um Social Security might not be an option for us, so I would strongly encourage you to save. Um, And in that same right, um, unfortunately, a lot of people in our community do not have accounts set up for the future, whether it be a 401 or an IRA, um, any type of account that will allow you to live off of it later in life once you retire. And that's really important. for us specifically as individuals and our culture that we're not learning those primary financial um, priorities and that you need to save for the future. Um, a lot of people might not even have accounts set up for their children. Do you have that 529? Are you thinking about your child's education? And it's right. really unfortunate because that's something that when you start it earlier, it's cheaper, it's easier on you. But if you don't start something like that until you're 50 or 60, you're really going to end up in a bad situation. So I would definitely encourage you guys to talk to your HR reps, find out who your people are for your um, your retirement accounts and things like that, um, or even talk to your bank. I'm sure that they have options for you as well as um, for retirement planning and really find out what your options are and what you should be doing. Have them look at your financial picture overall so that you're in a better position to retire comfortably. And can I just say too, um, there are a lot of calculators out there to help you with determining how much you need to save for retirement. There are. But if I could just suggest something. So, okay, I don't want to get too heavy into the weeds. I'm not a financial expert. <laughs> but you know how sometimes they tell you to assume that you'll save about or you'll earn about 3% interest, which is the standard for a trend of uh, inflation, right, per year for your retirement account. Okay. I would say to do something very, very different and scale back. Be extremely conservative in the amount that you think your money will earn in the future. Okay. And I only say that because I experienced working at a place where the 2008, you know, financial crisis literally had people's kids on the verge of going to college, and they're all those 529 accounts, and they were they had their money in aggressive accounts right. to earn more money and take more risk. And then when the stock market plunged, they lost all their money, and their kid was supposed to go to college in six months. Yeah. Or they're six months or a year away from retirement, and now they can't retire because a quarter of their earnings are gone. Okay. So if I could say anything is to be more conservative about what one you think your money will earn over time which means that you need to consider contributing more to your retirement accounts mm-hmm. because you don't know what the market will look like 20 years from now when you're getting close to retirement that is very true um, so i would really encourage that and obviously talk to a financial expert to determine yeah. um, that. get a financial advisor yeah and i will also say don't rely on just work benefits so it's really nice very good one it's really nice that they offer something or they'll give you a match so obviously take advantage of that 
But don't say like, oh yeah, I got social security and this retirement account from work. Right. You, there are other options. You can also have individual uh, retirement accounts that mm-hmm. you can contribute more to in the calendar year, the right. closer you get to retirement. Yep. So that is very important. It's also tax deductible. So talk to your tax professional. That is correct. Um, and, and be really mindful of that. You need to have as many streams of income as you can because things are getting substantially more expensive and remember you're saving in today's dollars for 25 years from now so just think about how much a gallon of milk used to cost when you were little and how much it is today my god so how much is milk going to be in 25 years exactly so think about it that way like how much can my money uh you know go how far can my money take me especially when i'm saving for basically a whole nother lifetime away yep so that is true yeah Um, I will also say, um, to kind of piggyback off of that, if you are starting from scratch and you don't have anything set up currently, do not feel bad. Right. Um, maybe you were not as financially savvy or no one offered you that information, or you just felt like finances are really confusing. I'm paying my bills, so I'm doing a good job. And that's fine because unfortunately finances can be tricky and it's not a conversation that's easily had, but If you are starting out from scratch, I will encourage you to go ahead and just start with 5%. Do something that's really simple. Say, you know what? I'm going to put myself first and I'm going to contribute 5% of my income towards my retirement. Go talk to that HR rep. Let them know, hey, I haven't been contributing. Also ask them, like Ann mentioned, hey, do you all match? Is there anything that my company does for me? with my retirement that I should know about or I otherwise wasn't aware. And I say that because when you start a new job anywhere, they inundate you with so much information on day one when you're in processing that it is overwhelming. You go home with all this paperwork and you really probably don't look at everything. I'm guilty of it myself. So if you have not set up that account, go to your HR rep, talk to them and say, hey, I really wanted to follow up with you. I'm not sure that I have the right things in place with my retirement situation. Who should I talk to about that? And really just start with 5%. And the reason I say 5% is because you need to kind of start feeling what it looks like with your money, seeing that money gone. And really how to go to a direct deposit account, you won't even miss it. You know, that one or $200 that just slips away, you will adjust. And that's why I encourage a 5% Um, to start with so that it doesn't feel so hard all at once. Um, And then you'll be able to look and see, wow, in in 12 months, look what I've saved from doing just that little bit. Um, So I I would definitely encourage you to start there. Um, I think the last little tidbit that I would offer as well is just possibly have another money source. I know that we have these jobs and we do this nine to five and whatnot, but you should really start considering having another business where you can have another stream of income. Um, our generation, these millennials were really out here pounding the pavement and we have come to the conclusion that my nine to five is not going to be the end all for me from a financial perspective. And so we're seeing a lot of, um, people come up with, um, different businesses and ventures and really, you know, a huge increase in entrepreneurship. So if there's something that you do well, basket weaving, maybe you braid hair, um, I don't know, maybe you're a graphic designer, Hone in on those skills and put yourself on Etsy or put yourself out there, period, so that you can really develop another stream of income to support you and your family later in life or even right now. Because 
even a little bit of money every month always helps if it's from somewhere else. So I I would just definitely encourage that. Yeah. Um, So that's a lot of financial advice. It's pretty heavy. It was. Hopefully you all were able to process that. Hopefully um, you guys got something out of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I always like talking about money because I feel like as African-American women, we don't share like really important things like that. Like, That's true. If anything, we we're we more closed to, off about yeah, it. Yeah, we need to band together and, and really educate each other because you know it's not um, easy trying to make it in this world. But, this is true. But yeah, well, thanks guys for listening and uh, tune in next week. You're in for quite a doozy of an yes. episode. Hopefully, you'll uh, like what we put out together. But as always, sound off on social media. Check us out on AnnJLiving.com. The podcast will be there as well. And we'll see you guys next episode. Bye, guys.